You are listening to Myth Behaving, a podcast with a little bit of attitude on the literary world. Won't you come Myth Behave with us? Hello and welcome to Myth Behaving. This is episode number two and we are recording on January 14th. I'm Mayor Wilson, and I'm joined by my fabulous co-host and producer, Carla Clifton. Hey, hey, Carla, how are you today? I tell you what, I am doing very well. It is kind of cold here in Southeast Texas. I don't know exactly how cold it is, but I have this little heater that's by my feet and making my toes nice and warm and toasty. Um, but I am doing fabulous. And as with um, each episode, we have a very special guest. It may be a writer, a publisher, an agent, an editor, or just anyone connected with the literary world. Plus, we have several different segments scheduled for today and every show that are related directly to either reading or writing or possibly both. Be very quiet when hunting books in the library of a myth behavior. Ooh, that sound means it's time for the library of the myth behavior. So, what are you recommending today? Today, I'm not going to choose one book. You're I'm not. going to recommend an entire publisher. Ooh. And that publisher is Crescent Moon Press. Now, yes, is this a little self-serving? Yes, it is, because this is my publisher which don't they have the most fabulous name? I have to say that their name is fabulous. And I was very lucky to be able to to get this publisher. They were my first choice. And their artwork on their covers is beautiful. Their editors are fabulous. And I'm just thrilled to be a part of this. They have got so many fantastic writers over there, uh, primarily sci-fi, fantasy, and paranormal. And if you go to their website, and we'll have the link up on mythbehaving.com, just tootle on over there and you'll be able to get that. And I'm very excited to be able to say, check out all of the authors. You can't go wrong. We've got fabulous authors over there. So run over to their website and check out those books because there are some fabulous books over there. And I, like you, I love their name. I mean, it's so encompassing and it's so romantic in a, in a in a kind of a weird way but I love it I absolutely love it and I'm very very pleased to announce that today's special guest is Marlene Castricato Marlene is one of the publishers at Crescent Moons Press and her specialty is marketing and we would like to welcome you to Myth Behaving Marlene Thank you so much it is a pleasure to be here at Myth behaving. I am really looking forward to this. It's going to be um, a lot of fun. And um, and I love reaching out to the audience and letting them know what we're doing and, and um, what's coming on. Of truth and mythery. Marlene, feel free to help us with today's truth and mythery. This is where we take something that is a commonly held publishing or writing belief, and we find out whether it really is true or is it just another myth. Okay. Great. And this week, we're going to look at the belief that you must have an agent to get published. Since you're in the industry and you do this every day, what's your take on this, Marlene? Well, having an agent is not a game changer. 
Uh, we get an endless amount of submissions daily, weekly, monthly, all year long. And we're really looking at the story. And then beyond the story, we're looking at the voice because you can have the same story written by two different people and it comes out entirely different, just depending on the author's voice. And for that very simple reason alone, when we're looking at, um, when we're looking at queries or taking pitches at different places, we'll usually say, send us in something because we know that aside from the pitch, the author's voice plays a paramount piece on how that, uh, how that book is written and how it presents itself. Does that help at all? It, it certainly does. does. Okay. And so having an agent doesn't, doesn't really give you an added advantage. Not at all. Uh, but it doesn't really take away from the advantage either. So it's just, it's, it's there. It's more of a comfort zone, I think, for authors. And that's a good point. I, I think they, that I don't have an agent. So I think that those authors that do have an agent, they, they do have that buffer person. But then I have Carla looking out for me. So I, <laughs> I sort of have a buffer person. <laughs> Marlene, tell us how long you've been in the industry. What got you into publishing? Well, you know, it's, it's very, very interesting because it's never a one-stop sort of uh, journey. As a consumer, I've been in the industry all my life, as many of us have. As a writer, I started in the 80s. It was it was back about eight years ago when Stephanie and I were looking over the, the publishing industry and we had been rejected. A number of our friends had been rejected, not because of the story, not because of uh, the writing, but really because they just didn't know what to do with our writing. It wasn't compartmentalized. It didn't easily fit into one genre or another. It usually straddled one, two, even three different genres because things were piecing themselves together. I think the industry was rewriting itself at that point. And so we felt there was really an opportunity for people who wrote well and had great stories and just didn't fit comfortably into any other publisher's uh, lineup. So how did Crescent Moon Press get its start? I mean, I, you told us that you and Stephanie worked together mm -hmm. because there was not a niche for you. But what made you decide to, to just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a, you know, a start Crescent Moon Press? Well, you know, it was over lunch. <laughs> lunch and a few <laughs> margaritas. And we were saying, yeah, we can definitely do this. And then it was a, a four-year learning curve, you know, and, and each learning curve brought us further and further up the hill. But it was it was a learning curve. It was huge because, of course, it's always so much more than you anticipate. On paper, it looks easy, but that's because the people who are doing it make it look easy. Um, but you know what? It was a labor of love, and so it 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 had to happen. It was it was it was in the stars for us to make this happen. So awesome. uh, it was like I said, it was lunch, it was margaritas, and the the desire to make it happen. It's growing so much. Just in, I've been with you what six, seven months now, and I, just in that short amount of time, I've seen it it grow tremendously. What are your future goals for Crescent Moon Press? Well, you know, we're in we're in digital and we're in print, and our distributors take us globally. What we're finding now is that various companies are contacting us and they're looking for. Um, uh, foreign language rights, which is a way we might go. I don't think that we'll ever do the translations ourselves and put it up because I think the liability is too consuming. Uh, I think we, we would have to trust into another country and uh, open up the market that way. But I think that's huge. I don't know if audiobooks is a way for us to go, although I know that some authors have had some 
some um, some good response in that area. When we first opened up Crescent Moon Press, we were astonished to find that our print division, <coughs> excuse me, did so much better than our, our digital division because we had anticipated the very opposite. But yet over the last, I guess, seven or eight years since we've been open, it has been taking a decided turn in the other direction. You know, as more devices become available, as the technology refines itself, we're finding that, you know, it's it's really a digital market, whether it's here or it's abroad. But, well, you know, we are looking into foreign language rights for our books and translations. And uh, we are opening up new markets monthly as our distributors push forward. That's really exciting to hear, um, especially seeing the evolution from, uh, like you, I probably would have anticipated that electronic uh, or digital would have um, superseded print early on and just gotten more so. But to see it go from print to digital, you know, more so now is, is to me kind of exciting because the industry, you know, is changing and evolving. Um, and it's changed a great deal over the years. Um, how have the changes impacted boutique publishers, and how do you f- feel about those changes? Um, well, how does it affect boutique publishers? It's enabled us to reach out to a market that we wouldn't have access to in other ways. Um, when you talk in terms of brick and mortar and you talk in terms of print books, there's there's a ceiling on where you can go with that. Is it financially feasible? to send uh, boxes and boxes of books over to the Philippines to promote a book over there? Not really. The numbers just don't crunch out the same way. However, we have a very healthy digital market over there, and that's an unexpected boost, a bonus, you know, because of the digital. And I find that as a boutique publisher, we can turn things around faster. Uh, When there's a new trend in the market, we can address that trend in in a way that's, um, that, that's, much more feasible. Larger publishers have more red tape to go to. By the time they're actually in a place to address a trend, well, the country's on to somewhere else. They, they, they've, they've gone through that, that that's, uh, space and time, and they've moved on. They've moved forward because it's always moving forward. So uh, I think that we can turn on a dime in a way that the larger your houses can't. I think that we have access to a lot of uh, bright and talented people that the other markets tend to overlook because they just don't have time to tap into new writers, uh, new artists, uh, uh, people who want to come on board as editors, but maybe aren't as credentialized, but are just as talented. So I I think we have have access to a broader market. Awesome. It it sounds like there's a lot more flexibility, I think, in in the boutique publishers. Absolutely. And but I want to I want to steer us uh, uh, ask us another, ask you another question and go into and address this for those writers who are like, oh, hey, I've got a book. What do I do when you first see that manuscript after you've gotten past the query and you've asked for that manuscript? What are you looking for specifically when you read it? And how do you decide whether or not to make an offer or to just give a pass on that manuscript? Well, that's a very good question. Often authors will take the query letter and they will polish that first 10 pages until it shines and sparkles. 
but they have not carried that through the entire manuscript. So there, there are many times where we'll ask for the, the full manuscript for consideration, and it's, it's, it's a letdown because they just haven't carried the craft through. And that's probably one of the biggest reasons why we turn manuscripts away. We know they have the skill set because they did it. They did it the first time. They did it for the first 10 pages. Um, but we're really not in the business of rewriting their book for them. And so they really need to send us a book that is further along before we can consider it for a contract. We have great editors, as, as you know. And, yeah. um, and they do an amazing job and they, they deal not just with, with the punctuation, the spelling, but they look for, you know, possible gaps in the plot and how to rework things and how to tie things back together. They look for overall content and, and, but they do that at a higher level and we have to be assured that the skill set is there. So that's a big piece of what we look for when we looking at the full manuscript. That plus, again, the voice. You know, a, a follow-up to this. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, a follow-up to this. How Do you have a percentage that you, that you accept? No. Nope, we don't. Um, if we like the book, we take it. <laughs> and there's sometimes where, where Stephanie and I are saying, oh, my God, we've had so many queries come through, but there's been nothing that we can contract in the last month. And, and, and that happens and it has happened more than once. And, um, it's just, it's, it's, it's the, um, the strike of the iron, you know, we're, we're looking for the right book, the right story, a different angle, a different voice. Uh, we're looking for consistency, you know, does, 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 is there a, a gap there, you know, and, and many of the authors are still falling uh, victim to the the uh, critical beginner's mistakes where they they tell the story and they don't allow the characters to tell their, their own story and that's really where it has to come from because if I'm listening to a narrator tell me the story I'm not in the moment my favorite books are where I'm dropped right into the story from the get-go drop me in with the action start off with you know something happening many times I'll take a manuscript that's been sent to me and I'll, I'll send a note back to the author saying, you know, it's a very good story, but your story really starts in chapter two. So I would take out all of the prologue, all of, of the, um, the, uh, the chapter one, and I'd start somewhere in the middle of chapter two and take it forward from there. And if you take that voice and carry it through, you'll really have something. Or sometimes they'll send me where, where it's just, it's too much, where they've heard that there has to be plots and subplots and subplots and actually they they just have too much plot and they actually have three books in one i said you know what you really have here is a series or a trilogy you need to think about taking this apart and powering it down to different stories and do you ever ask for for r and r's which are, are revised and resubmits do you ever ask for those oh that is a great question because i have and the um the, the one thing that breaks my heart is when they turn it around and they give it to me three days later because I know that they have not gone through this and they had, they think that they have given me what I want, but they have not gone through this and gone through it page by page and tried to carry a concept forward. Or if they made changes, they didn't carry the changes forward because it's like dominoes. If you change something here, there are pieces that you have to tie it into all the way through. And three days is not going to do that. You know, I'd, I'd rather see somebody who's taken the time to really go through the manuscript the right way and hand me in a product that's really been changed. And we've, we've taken those books. We have. Um, 
books that, that come back to us in three days, we're really not even interested in opening them because we know that they haven't put enough time and effort into it. That's that's a, kind of a an enlightening journey. I mean, to listen to you as a non-writer um, explaining what you're looking for fascinates me beyond words. Um, Marlene, could you walk us through the process a, a writer goes through once they sign with you? Absolutely. So what happens first is they, they get the contract and they sign the contract. And what they do is they send us a scanned copy of the signature page and the hard copy of the mail. Once we have the scanned page, then we can start the process. And what I do is I invite them to our marketing group. And the marketing group is wonderful. Most of our authors are very, very active in the loop. And it's, it's more like a writing group with perks. I mean, they go to each other for information on technology. They go for in, to each other with questions on writing, on putting series together, on coming up with ideas for titles, for, for uh, series titles. Uh, they work on anthologies together. It's a wonderfully supportive group. They're all very, very talented. They all have wonderful technical skills that they bring to the group. So that's a huge plus right off the bat. Uh, from there, they um, they are given a cover art form to fill out, and that that's so that anything that the cover artist works with is consistent in terms of the story, the setting, the the characters, main items. They have to give us a book blurb with that, and uh, we also ask for a bio, and so we can start setting up their author page and their book page, and we can put them in the coming soon area. Then we assign them to an editor. And the editing process usually takes in the area of about three months, give or take. Again, depending on how much how much work the manuscript needs. And there have also been one or two times where, you know, they came up with a new idea together and they decided that the book was going to take a little bit of a turn and we had to rework the, the whole book blurb. And that's fine. As long as we, at the end of the day, we know that it's going to be a better product. And we don't try and rush that process. We, we never really give our editors um, a, a deadline. We work far enough out that we say, you know what, when the book is ready, it's ready. And that's fine with us. And most of our editors love reading and they love what they're doing. So they're really committed to the process and not to the paycheck at the end of the day. The, uh, the cover art comes a little bit later in the game. And uh, our cover artists really use the cover art form as a springboard, if you will, because they're very, very creative as artists. And they're looking for sometimes a higher concept than the author has has um, has come to on their own. And often we'll say we'll have the author say, you know what, that's absolutely wonderful. It's beautiful. I never would have thought of that because it's kind of like the forest for all the trees. You really have to back up sometimes to be able to take a better look. And you're really too deeply entrenched in the book, in the story and the moment as an author really to think about the um, the higher concept. Did that answer the question? I don't know. Absolutely. I, I, different yeah. directions. I get very excited with this. I really enjoy what I do. It's a labor of love. It sounds like it. it and it and it is an exciting process. I'm in the middle of it. So uh, with the, the wonderful with thing the about being I'm sorry, if I could take away more second. The, the wonderful thing about about having developed to the size that we are now is that our authors really don't have to go outside of their own group to go look for blog tours. They offer it to each other. And we even have um, a, um, a best-selling Amazon, an Amazon bestseller in our midst, which is wonderful because that's gotten huge attention and it's brought a lot of good, a lot of good playback to the press itself, which is, which is huge. 
yeah and and it is a it's a fun process being in that loop i can i can testify that it it really is a fabulous group because you know i can go in and ask a question and get an answer pretty much right away you know literally within an hour usually um what fascinates me is is the 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 art process do the art do the artists ever actually read the book or are they going strictly off of the art the cover art form they're really going off the cover art form you know many of the books are in the two three and four hundred page range i'm sorry page range <laughs> uh susie and seashells by the seashore okay so um it's it's a little bit consuming for them to sit down and actually read the book yeah, However, I, I i wondered i was asking that believe it or not as an author um how do you decide which author and artist to assign which editor and artist to assign to an author and and after that how do you decide when to release a book well um we've actually had to change release dates depending on when the book was available because in in some cases the book took a little bit longer than we expected in some cases the, uh, the author had a special deadline to meet because they wanted to take the book with them to a special convention or fair. And we try and work with authors in that regard when we can. In terms of uh, signing an editor or a cover artist, well, you know, the editor comes earlier in the process. So that's really based on what we've read in the early manuscript. And before we really have a chance to get to know the author very well, we feel we know them by their voice. And so we can determine whether they have a, a, a strong personality, whether they have a softer side, what they're looking to bring out in the book based on what they've, what they've kind of zeroed in on. And we try and match an editor's personality to the author's style. When it comes to the cover artist though, that's, that's a little bit further in the game. And at that point, we really have a much better idea of where the book is going, if it had to make any short turns or short stops. We also have a much better idea of the author's style and, and how they approach things and where they're going with it as a series, you know, because at that point they might have already given us a, a query on the second book or the third book. And so we can match that up a little bit better with a style of, of cover artists. There are artists that we know that go very dark and that's not going to be uh, appropriate for a, a more lightheaded, a lighthearted version, uh, um, a more lighthearted story. Uh, there are, stories that are very whimsical, you know, fantasy and unicorns, and we're not going to pair them up with somebody whose real talent is in, um, is with a darker edge. You know, and of course, you know, sometimes, having said that, cover artists who are talented could go in, in either direction with their covers. However, if they have a penchant, if they have a passion for one or the other, we would really prefer them to use their passion because you can see the difference in the end product. That's awesome. Thank you. And all much. of the covers that I've seen are just gorgeous. The The artists at, at CMP are, are fabulous. I've been so impressed with the quality. Did the release come out today? No, it comes out tomorrow. We have a uh, yeah. cover reveal tomorrow with eight covers. Wow. Yeah. I'm looking forward our, to that. One of I'm really looking five. forward to mine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yours is going to be fun. There's there's so much to work with. It's um, I don't know how much you reveal to your your audience, but there's a lot of different ways it can go, and there's so many different elements to work with. It's it's going to be a fun cover. Yeah, I haven't I haven't talked uh, too much about my own yet. Um, 
because you know I'm not I'm not released for a while, so I'm gonna sure. hold off. And when when it gets closer, Tim Powers is coming back, I believe, and going to turn the tables on me, and I get to be interviewed by him and Carla. <laughs> oh, what fun! <laughs> can can I help make up some of those questions? No, I'm kidding. No, absolutely, <laughs> really, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> It's time for MythPrint, tips and tricks of the industry. Okay, it's time for another one of our special segments. MythPrint includes a basic tip concerning the writing, marketing, or anything else to do with the industry. Marlene, would you help us with a basic tip on how a writer can contact a publisher directly and what sort of things you do or do not want in the initial query letter? Oh, another really good question, because I get to tell you what, what turns us off, as well as what gets us very excited. So um, the query should be well written. And, and I know that should go without saying, but that's not often the case. So it should, you know, it should be checked and double checked for grammar and spelling and things of that nature. Uh, we would love to see, <coughs> excuse me, um, the author's platform you know, what they've done, what they're involved in. We would love to see some ideas on marketing. You know, um, it just, writing the book is not where it ends these days, marketing it, taking it out there. We help with a lot of that. We help with the distribution of the books. We, we help getting the books out to uh, reviewers, at least to some key reviewers. But we need to know that the author is going to put some skin in the game. And we, you know, here's a very important piece. We check your social media. We want to know what your following is. We want to know um, what type of things you blog about, whether you're blogging about books and you have uh, you, you do blog tours. So we check all of those things to start seeing what your connections are and what you can bring to the game. Because, you know, as much as we love writing, it's a business and it has to support itself. And we invest a lot of money when we start taking a book on. You know, not just the overhead of the, the company and the site itself, but, you know, bringing the editor in, bringing the cover artist in, the formatters, the proofreaders. You know, there's a huge investment that we do, even just the ISBNs. Everything that we do from the get-go before we, we see a dime back. So um, having a marketing plan, having some sort of idea of where you would go and how you would promote it, is it would be a good thing. That's an awesome, that's an awesome answer. And uh, obviously, my query letter made it through. But just so people know, I think the version you saw was in the 80s. In the 80s? I'm sorry? In the 80s. I think I had revised it about 80 oh, wow. times. Yeah. <laughs> you see? And it paid off. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, one of our guests in the future is going to be uh, author Lisa Lisa Brackman, but she and, and, and several other art, uh, other authors actually are the ones that helped me with that query letter and just redid it. And then uh, another friend who was an editor up in Canada, she also uh, put input into that query letter. So, I mean, it just really went through the ringer um, many, many, many versions to get something out there that would, would work. You know, another key point, if I could just drop in for one more second on this is remember to give us the ending of the story. We are we are not here to be left on a hook. That that's that's your story. That's the manuscript. 
when you give us the synopsis, when you give us the outline, we need to know where you're going with the book, where you're going with the story. And we've had authors who, you know, they just give us, you know, just a teaser and that's it. <laughs> we need to know what the story is. We know, we need to know what your plot points are. We need to know where you're, where, what you're shooting for. And then we can also judge at the end whether or not you've actually hit your target. So. Nice. I want to veer us off a little bit and go into what I, I think are kind of a slightly different questions. Um, I think of them as the fun questions. I'm not so sure my guests would agree with this. But if you could have a dinner party with any seven people, any okay. people, living or dead, fictional, non-fictional, who would be your seven guests? I thought about this. I really did. I might end up surprising you. So um, I had it written down. I don't have it in front of me. So just bear with me a second. It would be Albert Einstein. Leonardo da Vinci. I love the fact that he was so far ahead of his time in, with his inventions and, and his drawings and his books. Uh, and as aside from the fact that, of course, he's a classical artist, one of the best of all times. Um, Anne Rand, I love that she, she mixed her philosophy and her fiction, and she did a beautiful, stunning job of it. So well written. Um, I think, I think uh, Bill Gates because I think that he just changed our world in ways that were inconceivable to the last generation, to my, my mother's generation. What am I up to? How many numbers over there? Four. Four. Dr. Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> and that should tell you more about me than anything else. No. I, I think so clever, so much fun. Um, there was another physicist. I'm trying to remember his name. I think he had a Hawaiian heritage. Mish, Mish, he wrote... Um, the universe in a nutshell. And with, you know what he's, I think he's Hawaiian origins. He would be there. There would definitely be a place for him there at my table. Am I up to six yet? You're up to six. You got one more. I got one more. Um, I would invite my brother. My brother is a lot of fun. My brother, my brother is an attorney and he and I used to debate subjects all the time. And I remember one time we debated something and he just ran my argument right down to the ground. And then just for fun, he took the other side of the argument and he did it again. And so he's, he's just so clever. And the way he sees things, I think he would be a lot of fun at the dinner party too. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a fabulous party. I want to go to that one too. Oh yes. Come, come. We'll, we'll pull up more chairs. <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> Does sound like a lot of fun. Well, let's go and let's turn this around just a little differently. And that is what question do you never get asked that you wish someone would ask? And what would your answer be? Oh, wow. Um, I get asked all sorts of questions all the time. Um, that's, that's a very, very difficult question for me. I, I can tell you about a, a, a misconception if I could set this clear. And that's what, when I do take pitches, can I just go back to the industry with this? Sure. I think Absolutely. that authors don't realize when we take pitches that we want their stories to be good. We want to buy their stories. They are, they are sometimes so on edge and so scared to pitch, to present. They, they're, their palms are sweating and there's no need for that because they don't understand that we are actually on their side. We want them to be good. We want them to be wonderful. We want them to be better than that. So they need to just relax and go into it 
knowing that we're already on their team. And I think that's, that's key. That's key. I actually had one of my first pitch sessions that I took. I actually had somebody just burst into tears and hand me her cards and walk out of the room. Aww, <laughs> poor thing. I, 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 yeah. I was like, oh, well, I'll read these and get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and I did get back to her, but that's the whole thing. We're really on your side. And so if there's a misconception or, um, um, a misunderstanding that would be one so Excellent. i'm sorry i know i didn't answer exactly what you asked no but. that's perfect that's that perfect works. that works i think that works okay. uh everybody has their own personal myths and because we're called misbehaving uh we like to tie that into this those are things that people might think about us that might be true or might not be true what misbehavior do people believe about you marlene not CMP, but you, Marlene, that absolutely is not true. Not true. Okay. Um, many people, I have a professional relationship with most people. Um, I have a very small circle of close friends. So most people think I am very, very serious. I am, I am, I am always, always in the game. Um, always, uh, to just, just maybe sometimes an austere personality. And that is so not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I do uh, the dance computer games at my daughter. I, I backpacked for three years around the world, not knowing where I was going to sleep from one night to the next. Um, I, I have a loud laugh and I love to have a good time and enjoy a party. So I think that that would be a huge misunderstanding that most people have of me. Not, so, not always so serious. Not always so serious. That's good, though. That's a good trait. Now, here comes the tough one, though. What do people believe about you or what, you know, myth behavior do you have that people believe that is really true? <sighs> I do make lists. I make lots and lots of lists. And I, I love post notes. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's so much detail in my life it's just i need to make lists all the time and i need to double check the list and sometimes i need to sit down and i need to put lists together and and they're right it's um i don't think it's a matter of having a senior moment although i am getting older i think it's just a fact that there is so much on my plate and i'm always scared something's going to fall through and i can sleep better knowing that i've made lists because I, I can sleep better knowing that I put post notes up because I know that I can get back to those post notes later on. So they're right. Guilty. That's great. <laughs> I love that. I, I tried oh, doing a 12 was... step, you know, out of this, but the, the, it just, it won't take. <laughs> Whatever works. <laughs> Whatever works. So there you go. The myth number is... And that means it's time for another segment called Myth Nomer. That is our word for the day. And in deference to our special guest, Marlene Castricato today, our special word for the day is publisher. And it seems that a publisher can either be both the company and an individual. Marlene, is that really, really true? Is your title publisher as well as the press is publisher? It is. It is. And I really think that you... Although it could be one or the other, I think it really needs to be both. 
I think that you can't take the uh, the person out of the industry and, and just turn it into something that's black and white. Because as most of us in the industry know, you're in it for the heart. You're in it because you love doing it. And one of the first things they tell you when you start writing is don't go in it for the money because you're going to have to be in it for the heart first. And so I, I do think it is the person and the industry together that make it work. That is great. It's a great word because I, I mean, this kind of stemmed from me because I'm don't know that much about the industry and I'm learning more and more about it. And um, when someone said, well, that's a publisher, I'm going, okay, that's a company. And they're going, no, that's a person. I'm going, but it's a company, you know? So, <laughs> so to the company, yeah. So to the non-literary person, you know, it can be both people. <laughs> so it anyway. actually needs to be both. It needs to be both. I think exactly. That was a great choice of words. Okay, now here comes the exciting part. As we said in our first episode with Tim Powers, we're going to have a contest because we're going to be celebrating the launch of Myth Behaving. To enter, all you need to do is tell us what myth behaving means to you. And we're going to choose the answer that we think best fits the word as it applies to our show. And we have a prize package that includes three signed books of Tim Powers, as well as books from Christine Ashworth, who is a CMP author, Kay Latham, who is a fabulous writer. She's going to be donating two books. And Cindy Young-Turner, who is another CMP author, is also donating some books. Christine has got two in there. Kay Latham has got two books. And Cindy's going to be donating her new book that's coming out and three books for t from Tim. So that is a pretty nice little package, I think, that we've got together for the winner. And again, that's the word that we think best fits what myth behaving means for us. Exactly. For more information, you can check our website at mythbehaving.com. Marlene, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you and learning a little bit about Crescent Moon Press, about you, about the industry. We really appreciate your time. Um, is there... Um, information that you would like for contact information or would you like them to just go to your website at crescent moon to contact you we'd love to to post that you know what we, we are very very active in our social media sites you can certainly contact me regarding queries and things like that uh over at publish publisher at crescentmoonpress.com but we also i also have a number of writers who just contact me over on our twitter account we have a crescent moon press site and i also have midnight candle one which is my own twitter account you know and i'll have writers say well you know i'm not really ready to submit but you know i had a question and you know we're, we're very accessible and i think that's all part of it so yes write to me write to me thank you <laughs> And we do really appreciate you taking the time with us. You've given us so much great information, and I think this is going to be fabulous for both those writers who are already writing as well as those who aren't quite published yet, don't know where they want to go. So I think you've given us some fabulous information today, uh, and you, we will have links up on the website. Marlene's bio will be on the website, and we will have uh, – her links to her social media, as well as the Crescent Moon Press website itself. So be sure you go over to Myth Behaving and get the links for that. And now I just want to thank you for inviting me. 
for, for asking me to come and to, to uh, play with you out here today and to, to meet your listeners and just to have this opportunity to, uh, to share. So thank you very much. Thank you it, very much. It was much. thrilling. It really was thrilling to have you on today. I've, I've been excited about this interview for like weeks now. So, so I was, I was pretty excited to have, have you on today. And don't forget, folks, you can download this episode over on iTunes or listen to it right on the MythBehaving.com website. And please take a moment to leave us a positive feedback on iTunes. That's how we move up the ladder. And since we're a brand new podcast, we need all the help we can get. So boop us up there by going and leaving us a little review on iTunes. Absolutely. And you can also subscribe to us on iTunes. And another thing, if you guys have a topic or a guest you'd like us to consider, by all means, you can contact us either in writing, or you can leave a voice message for us at the MythBehaving.com website. Well, that's a time for us. It's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in to MythBehaving. We'll see you next time. I'm Carla. And I'm Mare. And we are MythBehaving. See you soon. <laughs>